Psalm 119, we're continuing our way through this long chapter, this long psalm, I should say. And today we come to Psalm 119, verses 33 to 40. Psalm 119, verses 33 to 40. Follow along as I read. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your covenant commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things, and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant, who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. As we turn our attention to Psalm 119, verses 33 to 40, this evening, really here, the psalmist's desire, deep down behind this whole passage, is a desire deep within the psalmist's heart to learn from the Lord and to grow in the Lord. Really, it's a desire to be faithful. In fact, you'll notice all throughout this psalm, along with this, need, this desire to be faithful, there's a recognition also of his dependence on the Lord to be faithful. I desire to be faithful. I need you to be faithful. And uh, you'll notice that in, in every single verse in this section, every single verse, the Lord is doing something. It starts with, teach me, in verse 33. Give me, in verse 34. Make me, in verse 35. Incline my heart, in verse 36. Turn away my eyes, in verse 37. Establish your word, in verse 38. Turn away my reproach, in verse 39. And revive me in your righteousness, in verse 40. God is active through all of this. The psalmist has these desires, and yet there's a recognition, Lord, I need you to do this in me. I want to be faithful, but I cannot be faithful in myself. I need you. And it starts first with his desire in verses 33 to 34. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Teach me. He's curious. I want to know, Lord. I am, I am hungry to learn this. I want to grow. I want to learn. And yet at the same time, I, I am committed to growth. Teach me, O oh Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep them to the end. There's a commitment here. He is curious and he is committed. I want to know and I want to be faithful. It carries over into verse 34 as well. Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. The very core of who I am is a total commitment. Give me understanding, Lord. We talked about that, I, that idea of understanding even on Sunday in um, Ephesians 5. The idea that, uh, of understanding what the will of the Lord is. Not just knowing it, but understanding it. And even here, give me understanding, Lord. I want to know deep down not just blind obedience, 
but a joyful, willing obedience that is motivated by a love that understands and is responding to what you have done and to who you are. Give me understanding. I will keep your law. I will observe it with my whole heart. There's a reference there to the Shema of Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Give me understanding, Lord, so that I can love you with all of my heart. There's a desire here, a deep desire within the psalmist. I want to be faithful. Along with this desire, there's a recognition of his need. Verses 35, 36, and 37. Total dependence. That even starts back in verses 33 and 34, right? He needs the Lord to teach him. He needs the Lord to give him understanding. This isn't something that he's just going to come to on his own. I need you, Lord, to give this to me. But it continues on into verses 35, 36, and 37. A total dependence on God to know where to go, to know what to, uh, to actually want to get there, and to be faithful on the path. Right? Verse 35, make me walk in the path of your commandments. For I delight in it. There's almost an oxymoron, right? Normally you don't have to make something, someone do something that they want to do. Right? When the ice cream truck comes down the neighborhood road, you don't have to make your kids go to the ice cream truck. They delight in it. There's a desire. They want, you have to hold them back. There's almost an oxymoron here. Make me do it, Lord. I delight in it. I want to do it. And this oxymoron really gets to the very core of what the psalmist needs. I want to be faithful. And yet I have a sinful heart. I cannot. I am in desperate need of you, Lord. Make me do this. Where to, I want to walk in the path of your commandments. Verse 36, not, not only where to go, but even uh, the want to even get there. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Give me this desire. Not to covetousness. That's where our hearts so often run. It's to covetousness. That's where hearts so often naturally inclined. The psalmist's prayer here is inclined my heart to your testimony is not to covetousness. There's a recognition here. I need to be changed. I need to be changed. It carries over even into verse 37. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Revive me in your way. Again, this whole idea of the, the psalms is completely dependent on God to be faithful. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. That's really the natural pull of our eyes. Going back to the idea of covetousness, naturally our eyes go to these things that are worthless. To these things that, that, that we think our heart is desiring and longing for and, and these lesser things. That's where our hearts and our minds naturally go because we are sinners. Yet by the grace of God, he is at work in us. He is changing us. We even talked about that again on Sunday in Ephesians 5. Walking in wisdom, walking filled with the Spirit and submission to him. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. That should be the prayer of our hearts every single day. 
along with Paul in Romans 7, right? I do the things I do not want to do. My eyes look at these worthless things, but I do not want to, Lord. Revive me in your way. Give me life. These worthless things, they, they lead to death and destruction. But in the Lord is life. Revive me in your way. So we've seen his desire in verses 33 and 34. He is curious. He, he's committed. He wants to grow. He wants to be faithful. We've seen his need in verses 35, 36, and 37. A recognition that I cannot do this on my own. I am completely dependent on God working in me. Now in verses 38, 39, and 40, we see the psalmist's hope. His hope. And in here, he confesses that his hope in this is that God is faithful, that God is good, and that God is righteous. First thing we see is that God is faithful. Establish your word to your servant. Or really, the idea there is even confirm your word to your servant. The psalmist rightly views himself through the humble lens of a servant. I am your servant. And I need you, Lord, to confirm your word. To remember your promises and to remind me of your faithfulness as you keep those promises. You would think that that we wouldn't need that. You would think that God's faithfulness in the past would be enough for us to know that God is faithful. And yet how often our eyes look to worthless things, how often we are overcome with covetousness, how wicked our hearts are, how easily led astray we are, how quickly we forget. So Lord, establish your word. Keep confirming your word. Keep reminding me of your faithfulness. Your servant who is devoted to fearing you, to honoring you. But that is my hope. It is your faithfulness. That you will be faithful. I need to be reminded of it because I am weak. But my weakness doesn't change who God is. He is faithful. And praise the Lord that we have a God who can prove himself faithful over and over and over again. Even when my fickle heart fails to believe it. Because he is faithful. It's who he is. Not only that, but he is good. Turn away my reproach, which I dread. They did turn away, deliver me, take it away. This reproach, the shame of the unfaithful against the faithful. We've already seen that a little bit in Psalm 119. Specifically last week we saw that. The psalmist's face is down in the dirt. He's facing something. He's facing persecution, if you want to phrase it that way. Those who are looking down on him who are shaming him, right? This is the unfaithful. And really the prayer here is, Lord, vindicate me. Don't let me be put to shame. Take it away from me. And yet, notice here, the, the psalmist, there's not really, there doesn't seem to be in this, in this passage here a temptation for him to, to leave. Yes, I'm, I'm facing this reproach, but I'm willing to face it. Why? For your judgments are good. It's because I know that you are God 
And I am committed to your way, so do not let me be put to shame, Lord. I know that you are faithful, and I know that you are good, and it's that hope that I am clinging to against the fickleness of my heart and against the reproach of the unfaithful. I cling to the hope of your faithfulness and your goodness and finally your righteousness. In verse 40, Behold, I long for your precepts. Note the connection there to verse 39. He dreads the reproach of the unfaithful, but that in no way dampers his longing, his thirst for who God is and for his word. I dread reproach, but I long for you. I long for your precepts. Again, the the same cry that, that we see going back to verse 37, revive me. Give me life, Lord. Vitality, give me life in your righteousness. So as you come to the end of this section, we see a psalmist's heart who is so prone to wonder, so prone to covetousness, to looking at worthless things, so prone to forgetting the faithfulness of God, so dependent on God. And yet the good news of this passage is that God is faithful, that God is good, that God is righteous. That is the hope of this passage. The psalmist's hope in being faithful is the reality that God is faithful and good and righteous. It's a good reminder for us every week to constantly be reminded of these truths because we are fickle. Our eyes so easily wander to worthless things, our hearts to covetousness. We so quickly forget. And brothers and sisters, our hope is not in our performance. Our hope is in the faithful goodness and the righteousness of our God. So be encouraged this week in these verses. Maybe you came this evening. Maybe you've been beat up this week. Maybe that fickleness of your heart has been on full display. The weakness of your faith. Maybe you came fully aware of how prone you are to wonder this evening. Brothers and sisters, take comfort in your faithful, good, and righteous God. Be reminded of who he is. And know that your hope is not in yourself. Your hope is in him. Even as we take some prayer requests and and come before the Lord in prayer this evening before we go to our business meeting. Come with this perspective, fully dependent on God and yet joyful because your God is faithful and good and righteous.